Welcome everybody. Welcome to this week's uh, Chinchilla Squeaks. I am talking to you from on the road. It's happening a lot recently. I'm about to do a workshop in Krakow. Beautiful city. Love this city. So nice to be back again. I always come in summer. I've never seen it in bad weather. <laughs> I'm sure it has bad weather. Today on this episode, it's actually one of the interviews, the first one from recent uh, KubeCon in Valencia. Very nice as well, very different. And this is with Naptive, a Spanish company looking to simplify Kubernetes developments for, I guess, people involved in a development process that don't necessarily want to understand all the details of what's going on behind the scenes. As with quite a lot of these interviews, they were recorded in a very noisy press room. I also got some audio glitches. I'm not quite sure why. I've managed to edit most of those out without losing too much context, but there's a few here and there. And I also re-recorded a few of my questions because you couldn't really hear me. Uh, getting used to in-person interviews again. But all that aside, enjoy. Next, I'm speaking with uh, Daniel and Alberto. From uh, Naptive. So let's just kick off with a little bit about yourselves and Naptive. And I think interesting, like, why did you start Naptive? And what were you trying, what problem were you trying to resolve when you started it? Okay, so uh, I'm Daniel Liguero, I'm the CTO of Naptive. And to introduce myself a little bit, I've been working in the past in other companies involved around the developer tools. Basically, like the whole ecosystem on how you facilitate the work of the day-to-day -day work of a developer, and we basically uh, start thinking about, hey, this Kubernetes framework is quite great, but as we started using it, we started discovering that there were a lot of issues, especially for newcomers into the the area. Like, the you think about what a new developer these days needs to learn and understand to basically be able to work this thing has started to increase quite a lot like you need to understand the problem you're trying to solve the language that you are trying to work with and after that you need to think like where are you going to put that application into production how you package it how you put security around it and this gets crazy quite rapidly so basically we start thinking like hey if we are suffering this this is likely something that other people are experiencing too and if we took a look ourselves to okay let's see what is the day-to-day -day life of a developer and a devops person uh, there is too much at the level of people opening tickets to other people in the sense of please can you install me a cluster because i need to do some tests and the other guy will say like okay yes but not right now so there is also a lot of the time in between uh, waiting for resources to come to you. Once you get there, uh, you usually also forget about them in a month uh, or something like that. The cloud provider bill will come to you and you will remember like, hey, are you still using those? I'm sorry, I forgot about it, right? So basically we will nut it uh, with the focus of how you can simplify the work of a developer, let's say, uh, how you can facilitate the deployment of applications but forgetting about the infrastructure and forgetting the difficulties that you find uh, in terms of how much knowledge you need to to learn to be to feel comfortable working in a cloud native environment would you say you're in that platform as a service type space 
it basically has the tricky part of that it covers different areas, I will say. It goes for a platform team, but uh, it's a tool they can use to facilitate the lives of the developers that they are working with. Like, instead of installing a cluster for a developer, you will configure how you want to partition your system cluster, and we'll take care of doing that for you. And the developer can do that in a self-service manner, so they don't need to open a ticket for you to install the cluster. They can just go and get an environment to work there. Once they are there, what we do is we try to put a simple way so that they can basically deploy their application and understand what is going on. It is also something that we find particularly difficult these days around, like, if you need to learn, like, which is the meaning of 20 YAML files with different entities and all the tiny bits of things that you need to also understand because they are interconnected somehow, which is not obvious. We try to find a way to deploy that, to define that in the easiest way possible. So in a sense, to summarize your question, uh, basically, this is something that you will put in a development team, let's say, where different people will get a different speed. Like the developer will see that they can provision uh, environments in a multi-tenant fashion. They can easily deploy applications, but on the operations side of the things, you can see like, hey, this is still working in Kubernetes. The standard API is still being used, which is we are not uh, something that you put just in front and you either go with our API or none. Uh, they can understand what is happening in their cluster, but it's something that different people will experience in different manners. There's now a lot of companies and, and competition in this developer productivity space, which is an increasing discussion. Where do you think you fit into that whole overall landscape? So I, I think the easiest way to define how we fit in there is that we believe that infrastructure is something that should be extracted. Like it's something that is there, it's going to become a commodity and People shouldn't be bothered, let's say, but whether you are deploying this application in Google Cloud, uh, AWS, or Azure, there should be a system uh, that will take care of structuring what are the differences. And if you want to, I don't know, create an IP or expose an application to the outside world, there should be already something that gets you a certificate that puts a DNS entry, and you don't need to bother about it. So. We put ourselves, let's say, in a way of infrastructure is something that will be there, but if you don't need to understand uh, understand it, there shouldn't be a need to go through that path. So we are in a layer on top of infrastructure, and we try to uh, provide a solution for these development teams, which are in a phase, let's say, like we are not a tool focused just in debugging applications, like how you develop your application in a cloud space. Uh, we try to provide uh, a tool that gives you an easy way to define what is an application, which are their components, and that you are able to configure and change their parameters and things like that when you want to deploy the application. It sounds like uh, creating something like this would be quite complicated, getting all these competing standards and protocols and APIs, et cetera, et cetera, to all communicate in a seamless way for your platform. So what were some of the challenges you faced? So uh, the first challenge I will say, uh, as you just mentioned, is like how you define that specification because you may have your own ideas, but sometimes trying to push a standard to the outside wall is quite difficult. It's quite a challenge. So we took a look to what the ecosystem was doing and we discovered the open application model, which is also a CNCF project. And 
we started collaborating in that community and we are actively participating in that community. And the idea of that specification is like how you define a portable way to define what an application is. So it supports a lot of extension, which is something that we can extend, let's say, the, the initial definition to bring new functionality and fancy features on top of that. But that's one of the cornerstones, for example, of what we do apart from uh, the vanilla Kubernetes uh, tooling, uh, which we also are relying on. It sounds like a really interesting project, but I'm not familiar with it. Could you give me a bit more detail? Yeah, sure. So uh, the open application model, basically, here's, let's say, as an initiative for Microsoft and Alibaba uh, as a way to explore how to define application. And it's been evolving in the recent years. It's still quite new, but the community is growing its day. The runtime now, the default runtime, uh, is called Cubella. The idea of that project is like how you basically uh, reduce the number of YAML files that uh, people need to think about. And more than the number itself, like we, how can you reduce the number of entities or abstractions that you need to work each day? So that's the, the focus of the project. What we do on top of that is like, okay, this is just the definition of the, let's say, the new YAML file in which you specify what is your application and their components. What we do is we create a platform so you can get like all the functionality for the different environments, the generation of environments, deployment of application, packaging then having a catalog for already pre-baked, let's say, applications, and give you an overall experience, which is also that we found missing sometimes in, in tooling, like sometimes you get like, okay, this is your new Kubernetes cluster. That's great. What is next? How do I use it? We are pretty interested in uh, bridging that gap in between having infrastructure which has a lot of potential, but making that available for people that may not have the knowledge and may don't even want to have that knowledge because the world is different. Like, for example, if you think not on developers, but other people in a company that doesn't have this development background, they also may need to use the infrastructure that is on the company. Imagine, for example, a scientist wanting to run some experiments and getting some models. Why those guys need to learn Kubernetes to work efficiently in the infrastructure? You can go and say, hey, I want a space. I want to deploy Jupiter and I want to deploy it. I will do work there. I am using this infrastructure that the company has and is paying for, but I don't put like the extra need for those people to learn three or four different tools to do their work, which is already a, a challenge. Makes me think a little bit of what uh, DigitalOcean used to, and I guess still do with things like droplets and there's one-click installations for something like WordPress. Yeah, I, I mean, the, 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 the challenge right now sometimes is like, how you scale a solution that works after WordPress? Like WordPress is, no, I, I think it's, it's one of the best and the classical example for all these type of approaches. The, the tricky part here is that WordPress is okay as an example, but how do you make a solution that scales from a two-service uh, application to something that has 10, 15, or 20 uh, microservices of, of the number? challenge for us is like, okay, how you bridge that gap again and maintaining a level of complexity that is understandable by many people 
and try to make it work for complex applications. How far do you take that level of abstraction? So let's continue that data scientist example. Do they literally just say, I want TensorFlow on a powerful machine, I want TensorFlow on a less powerful machine, or does it have to be more precise than that? We try to to start, let's say, from the very beginning, because uh, what we find is sometimes we get into the many details, like I want like a GPU, this amount of RAM, and all of this stuff for these particular experiments. But the very the very first problem they have is start running the in the in the infrastructure. So we try to provide them to say, hey, run this TensorFlow in this environment. We have this quota of resources. After that, we will enter into the tricky aspect of I want these many replicas of this particular processor because we see them as the enable part of this approach is you are now able to run an infrastructure that before you were not feeling comfortable working with and configuring it and adapting it to your needs is something that comes afterwards you start working with the platform. Do you offer levels of abstraction? So for those that do care about the details, can they really dig in from the, the higher level stuff? What we are discovering is that uh, on one side, if we think like uh, a developer kind of uh, user persona, uh, you want to easily deploy an application and you want the less entities to think about it when the things are working. When things start going wrong and something, a component of an application uh fails or something or gives you an error is when you start to drill down and see, okay, I want to go into the detail. So what we do for that right now is that we maintain uh, the standard Kubernetes API so you can get all the finer details. We will even uh, we'll give those uh, through the UI uh, later on. And how long has the company been around? Have you just launched? Have you been around for a little while? We launched the past year, like uh, we we go we went into a public release like May last year. Uh, that's our beta to the outside world, and we have been continuing working on the on the features and the functionality and trying to make it as I say like this is really possible to work with Kubernetes, and that's the challenge that we are right now. And what are you at KubeCon for? Something in particular to announce, or what's interested you? What topics interest you? What are you looking to gain? For us, uh, coming to KubeCon is also a method to talk with people and get feedback from the community, like this conversation you have uh, on, on the whole of what people are doing, how they feel about this tooling. I think that tooling for developers is something that is emerging. There is a need that more and more people is identifying each day, like... We have quite powerful tools, but they are quite complex. So if we are able to basically uh, make them easier for people, they will get more adoption and we will get more benefit as, a, as the whole community. So for us coming here is talking with people and getting an understanding on how they feel about this type of solution, our approaches, and what they see missing. And what's on your roadmap for the next six months? What's next for Naptive? For us, what we are going is to uh, even further improve, let's say, how, we, how you get that experience. Uh, up to this point, uh, we have several applications already in the catalog, so you can get an example and you can start working. Uh, we are trying to facilitate now like, how you actually deploy your application. Like, you go to a platform and you see a WordPress application, say, hey, deploy, that works. 
okay, but sometimes even having the analogy of if WordPress is defining this way, how do I define my particular application? Is it still a challenge for some people? So we are trying to even simplify that. And that's it for Naptive. I will probably be doing a follow-up hands-on video very soon with it because I'm interested to try it myself and uh, I'll make sure there's links to that from here and vice versa for a little bit of context. There'll be a couple more coming over the next couple of weeks and um, really great to be back at events again, as everyone kept saying. (laughs) Thanks for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the show. Find out more about me at chrischinchilla.com where you can find show notes, sign up for my newsletter and find all of my writing, games, work and video links. There's also details on how to get in touch with me. And if you want to get even closer to what I do, join my Discord server for behind the scenes discussions and helping me produce my shows and work.